0: Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. How's everybody doing this morning? My name is Pastor Noe Kano. I'm the lead pastor here at Harvest Time Church. I always forget about doing that. Um, if it's your first time here, like Pastor Jim said, hey, thanks so much for being with us, joining us with us this morning. And uh, I really believe that this morning God wants you to get it. That's not a bad thing, but today we're focusing on that His presence purifies. So we are all in that vein already. I don't know if you realize it or you don't realize it, that God is wanting to provide freedom. He's wanting to provide deliverance. He's wanting to come in and he's, he's wanting to remove things from your life that you are incapable of removing. You gotta realize that, you know, I think a lot of times people have it in their mindset that it's just sure willpower. If I just fight strong enough or if I just refuse it long enough, it will remove itself. Well, let me tell you what. We're in a fleshly, sinful body. And unless God breaks the power of that out, completely out of our life and removes it from the equation, we'll always deal with some things. So this morning, uh, we're going to look at how his presence purifies. Uh, I want to jump right into the message. And if, if you've ever thought about the purification process of water, we think about how water is purified. It goes through a process. Uh, then it's packaged. It's, it's, it's put in a sealed container. But when water goes through a, a filtration process, it actually goes through a five-step process. Okay? So what happens? It actually goes through a screening process, a coagulation process, a sedimentation process, filtration and then a disinfectation process. Can you repeat all those? I'm just playing. Uh, So, so this morning, as as we look at that, that process, you realize that this, the process of water purification starts with a screening process. So in that screening process, it takes the water from oceans, lakes, all, all of the, you know, underground, and it actually screens it and it screens it from anything from a a stick or wood or fish. It's the first process in purifying the water. And then it goes into a coagulation process, which a chemical is added to the water with excessive TURBULENCE IN THE WATER and it releases, uh, it catches particles. So the particles formed by this chemical are actually called uh, floke. So it creates these little bubbles that create the materials. And then it goes through a process that, that is called the um, the sedimentation. So the water slows, and those heavy particles actually sink to the bottom. So it's removing the, the, the particulates, all of the things in the water process. And then it goes through a filtration, which we all know what that is. That's usually on the end of our spig. It, it's in our home systems. It, filtre- it, it, it filters the water. And then the last thing that happens, it gets disinfected. So it moves, removes any microorganisms, any final contaminants, and then it is stored until it shows up at your doorstep. It goes through your water pipes, all of those things. So we have to realize that water purification is a process and spiritual purification is a process also. We have to realize that in our life, God takes us through a process of purification, Right. And I'm glad he does it in a way that is effective. You know, we just wouldn't. How many of you would drink water right after the screening process? You're like, man, I mean, I guess if I was thirsty enough and I was remote enough and I, you know, I'm not going to str- screen through ditch water and drink it. Any takers? That was, uh, that's what I was like, Maybe like it depends how thirsty I am. But we got to realize that God takes us through a process of really purifying and making us pure. 1 Peter 1, 2 2, and then verse 9 it says, We who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with the blood, grace and peace be yours in in abundance. In verse 9 it says, You are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, did you get that last part? It says the salvation of your souls. It doesn't say the the, the salvation of the body or the salvation salvation of the spirit is talking about the salvation of the soul. So when we think about our soul, the soul part of us is our mind, our will, and our emotions. How many of you know that we need work in those areas of our life? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. we got to realize that, uh, think about it this way, that you are a spirit, you're a spirit being, that we live in a body and you have a soul. That's the best way to separate the three, realizing that you have three different parts of your body, yet all three make up who we are. So the mind, the will, and the motions, the saving of the soul. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So we realize that the spirit within us is renewed. The, the heart, the soul, the mind, the will, and emotions in us is actually replaced and it's renewed and it's washed. That's that purification process. And we got to realize that the body itself is covered by the blood of Jesus. You realize apart from the blood, we're always flawed and we're all, we're never acceptable to God. It's, it's the broken, it's the sinful nature side that, that Adam and Eve allowed us to be born into. But God redeemed that by his blood. So have you ever, you know, have you ever thought about the concept of going through a whole day without sinning? Now, I don't want you to answer that, but think about that. Most of us think that every single day we're going to sin, then we're going to fall under this grace and forgiveness and get, be covered by the blood, which is going to make us righteous. And then we're going to start it all over again, and His grace, will be, His grace and His mercy will be new tomorrow, and we start the cycle over again. But did you realize that you, we can actually... Go through a whole day and not sin. That is the place that God wants us to get to. We shouldn't just say, well, pastor, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Why don't we allow grace to abound more than sin? Go ahead. Because we, yes, the grace of God will cover every single sin, but let's rely more on the grace rather than sin, which is going to be covered by grace. And we should trust in the complete work of Christ, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit of our lives, purifying us, making us holy, making us righteous. The only way to sin less in our lives is to go through a purification process that only the spirit can do in our lives. We have to realize that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God working in our life is the purifier. There's nothing we can do. It's it's not just habits. It's not just safeguards. It's not just, you know, uh, unless God removes a spirit of lust, lust will always be there, right? Just because you remove some things from your home doesn't mean that that spirit and that, that, that lust that's deep within Will just go away. But God can purify us and He can actually remove it from our lives because we gotta, we gotta realize that we are in a fallen nature, in a fallen world, and we need this purification. We need this cleansing. We have to realize that purification uh, really allows us to change internally so that which we do externally results in sinning less. If the purification process happens from the inside out, we realize that our actions will change. But if the inside does not change, then we're just going to continue to see the fruit of what's ugly and dirty inside going to come out. Matthew 23, 26, it says, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. But how many of you know we just stop on the surface? If we look good or we look like we have it all together or we put on our best Sunday clothes and we show up, how many of you know that's just polishing the outside? I mean, you can see the external part of the person, but it's really God that sees the internal. But he says, deal with the inside and it will cause the outside to be clean also. Purification always deals with what's inside. Listen to this statement, it's a powerful statement. Forgiveness is what makes us acceptable to God, but it is purification that determines our proximity to God. You got that? The blood is always gonna make us acceptable to God. You're accepted just as you are right now, but your proximity to God is gonna be determined by the level of purity in your heart. You're forgiven. If you died right now, we'd go to heaven but we can be far removed from the presence of God because of a lack of purity. That has nothing to do with being accepted by God. God loves us. His blood was good enough, okay? So really, the question is, how close do you want to be? How much of the presence of God do you want to experience in this lifetime? Matthew 5, 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. A life full of sin cannot be full of God. They cannot coexist God is not going to show up with his manifest presence and just reveal his presence in your life. If your life is full of sin, you have to remove the sin from your life. You have to get it out of you. You have to allow the spirit of God to work in your life. To experience the the presence of God in a greater measure, you have to allow the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work to purify you. Now, this is kind of cool because it's his work. It's what he does, but there's something required of us. What is our part? Second Corinthians seven one, it says, therefore, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And, And another word for reverence can be the fear of God, realizing that God is who he said he was, who he is, and he's to be taken serious. We have to work with the Holy Spirit and be obedient to his leading to perfect holiness. So so here's what this practically looks like. James 4, 8 through 10, it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter into mourning and your, your joy into gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So we realize that it says wash your hands. How many of you know the washing of your hands is an external thing? right? I can, I can get my hands caked full of mud and then I can wash my hands and externally what I'm clean. But here it says also purify your hearts. So I'm, I'm trying to help you realize that, that when we talk about the sin, it's what happens outside of the body. But the, the purification is what happens on the inside of the heart. It says purify your heart, change the way you think, tying it to the mind, the will, and the emotions, how we think, how we act, the deep-rooted things in our heart. But it says purify your hearts, that internal thing you double-minded. So we're going look to at, look at an acronym Pure P-U-R-E this morning to help us really unpack this scripture in what it says. And it will really I really believe that if we practice these things, it will release the Holy Spirit to, to begin his purifying work in your life. So, number one, it's all about position. You have to position yourself. What does it say? It says, come near, draw near to, move yourself close to God. Many of us as sinners, what do we want to do? We want to separate ourselves from God. We don't want to have anything to do with God. Maybe we come to church and we feel judged because of our sinful nature or our willful sin in our life. Kind of like pop our collar and kind of sit down, and sink down in our seats. We want to show up and do the right thing. But we realize we're really guilty. But I'll tell you what, if you come into the presence of God, there is a process of purification that begins to happen by our drawing near, by our coming close. Psalms 139, 23 through 24, it says, search me God and know my heart. This was a Psalm that David, you know, I believe he probably prayed this often. He says, search my heart. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Lord, look at my mind. See if there's anything in me. Look at my heart, test my heart, check my motives. How many of you know that, you know, your heart is sometimes very evil. Now, most of us are smart enough that we don't open our mouths, but if we said everything that our heart thought, it would be really bad, right? You know, the scripture, what does it say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, sometimes we're foolish and we speak those things out. And once those words are escaped, guess what? They're almost impossible to get them back. But he says, know my heart, test me Know my anxious thoughts. And then verse 24 says, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. You know, and this is, this is allowing God as we draw near to him to search our heart. I think there's times where I, I believe that we walk through maybe these prideful moments where we think we have it all together. We think we're doing the Christian thing. Maybe you had a good day yesterday and you said, Pastor, well, I don't think I sinned. And you may have not, but we have to allow God to continually search our hearts that we don't get out of this sinful rut and get into this prideful rut. It's saying, Lord, continue to cleanse, continue to purify. But how do we do this? We draw near to God. Drawing near to God causes our sin and failure in our life to be caught. This is the screening process that happens. Just like we talk about that purification. We draw near to God, there's going to be things that caught in that filter. And you know what happens in this screening process? It's not like God sees it and he's like, wow, this is pretty ugly in your life. And he doesn't throw it back in the water and let it continue through the process. That screening process captures the things in your life that will contaminate the spirit and he grabs those things and he removes them from the equation. He doesn't allow those things to continually go through the purification process. He removes them from your life, which is the purification process. You got to really, he is in the, in the business of changing who you are. When you, you, you look at the water at the beginning and the water at the end, it'll probably look completely different at the end. You're like, I drank that water. Yeah. But it went through a process of purification Come to God just as you are and allow him to reveal areas in your life that you need repentance of and allow the Holy Spirit's purification to happen. You realize it's our responsibility to repent, but it's the Spirit's responsibility to lead us through the sanctification. He does the internal work. We do the external confession of sin in life. There's some people who don't believe in confessing or asking for forgiveness. And they say, hey, well, once you've been covered by the blood, you don't have to repent anymore. If that works for you, good luck. I mean, I don't feel good unless I say, Lord. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I remember if I go way back when I first confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. And and I'm like, that right there, that confession was good enough for, oh, man, no. I feel like i got to be real with myself. i got to be real with God. i got to say, Lord, all of these things in my life, I've fallen short. And then he says, son, daughter, I forgive you. I release you from those things. And it's, it's, you know, so there is some balance. I know, you know, the Catholic church is very big in confession. And I'll tell you what, confession frees you. It releases you. Those things that are spoken out are healthy things. I think as the church, not the Catholic church, we probably need to do more confessing. Say, Lord, these hidden motives, as I draw near to you, these things that are exposed, It's not that God doesn't know they're there. Do you realize that? We try to hide those things, but that screening process will always catch those things. But we have to repent. We have to say, Lord God, I repent from this and allow the Holy Spirit to purify us. But many of us don't want to come near to God because we're full of shame from sin and impurity. But we have to realize the only way to get pure and remove those impurities is to draw near to God. Position yourself in his presence and you will be purified. So number one, how do we allow the Holy Spirit's work into our lives? We position ourselves. We move close to God. Number two, we have to understand forgiveness and purification. I want to separate the two because I feel like, you know, our thought process is, well, forgiveness is purification. I'm going to challenge you this morning that forgiveness is not the same thing as purification. OK, forgiveness has to do with the external sin of which I commit. Purification has to do with the internal work of the saving of my soul, what is inside before it comes out. So we have to understand that he is faithful to do this. He will purify us. Forgiveness is not the same thing as purification. First John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will first forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Why does he separate the two? Why does he say forgiveness of sin and purify us from all unrighteousness? Both are important. Both are required. Now realize it says we have to confess our sin. If we confess, that's the linchpin of this phrase. If we confess now, confession requires you to open your mouth. I have never heard of a silent confession. Now, as a pastor, I know that we're in the Facebook world sometimes and we will put out general prayer requests. I, I mean, I'm not going to use the word hate. Um, when people put a, I have a generic prayer request, please pray. No, no specifics, unspoken. I don't want any details. It happens a lot. Now, I mean, I don't believe Facebook is the place to throw your laundry out and be careful what you say or don't say. But I believe that the, 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 the focus of acknowledging what you have need of, God will meet it more specifically. Amen. And most of the time it's because we don't want to be exposed. Maybe it's something personal that we don't want. But it says confess your sins. First and foremost to God so that you'd receive forgiveness, but then to one another so that you might be healed. There has to be something. But a confession is something that you have to say. It has to come out of your mouth. But realize the two things. First, he's faithful to forgive sin. And secondly, he's faithful to pur- purify us from all unrighteousness. So when he purifies us, guess what he does? He makes us righteous. Righteous is, is, is being in right standing with God. It makes us right. But it's forgiveness of sin that makes us acceptable. you got to separate the two. We're accepted just like we are. The good, bad, and the ugly. Ugly. The habits or the sin or the addiction that's in your life right now, God accepts you under the blood of Jesus. But in his presence, he wants to purify you. He wants to remove that thing far from you so that we don't continually sin. Okay, God works in our lives through the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive all sin and to produce purity within us. The blood of Jesus forgives sin and marks us as God's possession. So this is forgiveness of an external error. Once we commit the act of sin, it covers us by the blood. You know what that looks like, right? When, you, know when you, you know when you sin? Yeah. Right. We know when we do that. That is when we need the blood of Jesus to cover us. But purification comes from the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is an this is a internal thing. This is a deep work that works from the inside out. If it changes on the inside, guess what? What we do will begin to change. But we're so worried about trying to change what we do, but we're not worried about changing the internal. But this is just yielding to the presence of God. Guys, this is why it is so, when I talk about this presence series of being in the presence of God, being in his presence changes everything. It allows, the, it, as we draw near to his presence, it allows the internal work of the Holy Spirit to release us to this place of righteousness. And it removes the sin from within so we don't continue to be the sin. As long as it's inside, guess what? It's going to keep coming out. What happens if it's removed? It can't come out because it's no longer who you are. Man, that's some good preaching. I'll clap for myself you guys I don't know I don't know I don't know if you guys are being convicted or if you're getting this but this is a big deal we have to realize that the internal work produces external results dealing with the mind the will in the in the emotions it is fixing what's inside so what's the problem with just focusing on forgiveness and not purification let me tell you what happens we sin we repent we're forgiven and we're thankful we're like, yes, thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Well, then the next day starts. Man, I sin again. I repent again. I'm forgiveness. Receive it. I'm thankful. But, but this time I'm a little more discouraged because of a habit of sin or a trend of sin. And I cannot get out of the rut. You ever been there? Those deep ruts in our life that we cannot break the habit of sin, you know, or this stronghold or this issue in my life. And you just, man, you're on the merry-go-round. You write it, sin, repent, forgive, thankful. Sin, repent, forgive, thankful. And and me as a pastor, I'm like, how long do you want to ride that merry-go-round? Do you realize the only way to break that cycle is to get off of the merry-go-round? The way we do that is by sanctification, purification, changing the internal. We change the internal, it changes the external. Purification deals with the root of sin within us and it actually removes it so it can no longer come out because it's no longer there you know, every now and then I love, I love our church. I love our families. And every now and then we will get a a baby bomb. That's what I'm going to call it in this women's restroom, a pamper that will sit there. And I don't know, maybe you have to go back way back when to remember this moment, but how many of you know when a pamper sits for just a little bit of time before it's thrown away, no harm, no foul. What happens two or three days later, if nobody knows about that pamper, I've walked in this side room and I'm like, Lord Jesus, I started looking. <laughs> Lo and behold, the poor little innocent baby who couldn't help it and the ugly came out, <laughs> right? But if it's left there, it begins to smell everything up. But if it's just immediately removed, guess what? It's just dealt with. You don't have the residual, the follow. It's like, man, and then and then you remove it, and guess what? The room still smells. <laughs> I got some good air fresheners in the back much? It's like the you know, the Febreze commercial where they sit them on a couch in this environment that is just chaotic and they spray and like, where are you at? Oh, I'm in the forest, and it just smells so great. They take the they take the bandana off and they're in this like, I'm gonna die place of all kinds of disease and bacteria like oh my god but we got to realize that if we remove those things they won't smell up our lives they won't continue to marinate and blah you know what moms you know what I'm talking about you know or if you've ever put some meat in the trash and you intended to take it out but you went out of town for the weekend oh you got it you got it now huh That's what happens when we allow sin to just sit there and destroy our lives. There is a smell. There is a traceable notice that it has been there. But what God wants to do in your life is not just for you to say apologize and say, hey, sorry for it. He actually wants to take that and remove it far from your life. It's what he desires to do. So number one, we got to draw near. we got to position ourselves, Make your, move yourself closer to God. Secondly, we got to understand the difference between forgiveness and purification. Number three, we need to res- know how to respond, okay? So in this passage, it talks about taking a humble position, holy reverence, a fear of the Lord, realizing who God is. So let's look at the posture just for a moment. In this passage, it says to grieve, mourn, and wail. Well. That's a bad day. If you're ever grieving and mourning and welling, that's a rough day. But realize what he is talking about here is genuine repentance. This is called deep, godly sorrow. This is a hate for sin. This is something that you are so desperate for purification, you are just saying, Lord, I open the fibers of my chest and look at my heart. Look at those evil, ugly things and purify me. It's this godly sorrow. Then he goes on to say, change your laughing into mourning and your joy into gloom. What he's talking about here, you know, he's not being a bad guy. He's saying, hey, you got to get serious. The joking, the laughing, oh, this is great. No, hmm. this is a big deal. He says, draw your attention. This is no longer a laughing matter is what he's saying. He says, humble yourself. This is a posture that is willfully took we got to realize that in Matthew 23, 12, it says, For those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. And those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. we got to first position ourselves, but then we need to respond in obedience. The fastest way to see God work in your life is to be obedient to what he is leading you to do or not to do. Red light, green light. We learned it as children. Why have we lost it in our faith? We have to realize that obedience is a big deal to God. First Samuel 15:22 it says behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen is better than the fat of rams. So I challenge you, what is the last thing that God told you to do? I'm like man, I don't know. So if that's the first if that's your first response, you got to listen more. What is God telling you? God what is God speaking to you? So what is the last thing he told you to do? Did you do it? That's the next question. Well, yeah, he told me but I do not really like it. I didn't agree with it. It has nothing to do with what you agree with. It has everything to do with being obedient to what he commands you to do. And then if you didn't do it, why did you not do it? Maybe it's a misunderstanding of who God is. Maybe you don't trust God. Maybe you don't believe that he's good. Maybe you don't believe that he knows how to remove the sin from in your heart. And you think you got it, big boy. I can do this, which weighs on the side of pride, rather than falling on the side of humility so we have to humble ourselves do you realize that the word humble means to be low become low it means to sink down low lying so we're told to humble ourselves but it is the lord that lifts us up so what is our response our response is to humble ourselves and to stay put it doesn't say after you've humbled yourself for a little while just get up shake your take knock the dust off and move on it says humble yourself and he will lift you up in due time Do you realize that every time there was an encounter with the powerful presence of God in Scripture, lying with your face to the ground was an appropriate posture? If God showed up in all his glory, there would be none of us sitting in our chair or standing boastfully and arrogant in his presence. Everyone will be leveled. Well, I could could handle it, Pastor Noe. Good luck. There will be no flesh that glories in his presence. No eyes can behold his glory and live. But when we are when we are exposed to his presence, we have to make sure that we respond in a way of humility. So number 1, we position ourselves. Number 2, we understand forgiveness and purification. Number 3, we respond in the e. Remember we're spelling p u r e, how to be pure. Number 4, we have to expect a change in our lives. There has to be some expectation of the hope and the promise of what God has said that he will do. Purity is a process. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you through this process. You realize you don't know how to purify yourself and how to make yourself clean? If you did, you wouldn't be in the pickle you're in already, right? You wouldn't be in the place of habitual sin or in bondage or anything. You would already be free. But many of us are fighting against the chains. We're rattling the prison gates and we cannot get free. But it is in expecting for the God of all hope to come. And at one word, the prison gates are shattered. In one word, the chains that have bound us for a lifetime are are broken off of our wrists and off of our hands and our feet. And we're free to be all that God has called us to be. We have to realize that he will always do what he says he will do. He's a promise keeper. So number one, we got to expect what change. We got to realize it says, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians one six. So we have to change our perspective. I have to realize that I have been changed. I am whole and receive it, but also expect it. When I ask God to work in my life to remove something, now I'm waiting on him. But it's until I acknowledge that or I allow him to come that I'm just fighting on my own. But I should expect God. Maybe I've asked God for healing and I've been, I've been prayed over. Well, now I'm just saying, Lord, it's up to you now. I've done everything you've asked me to do. Now it's up to you. Expect a change in your life. Number two, we, we got to expect Freedom. Why would we ask for freedom and and not expect freedom? You know, it's kind of a, it is for freedom. You've set us free, but why? Oh, well, so I can be reshackled. No, so that we could be free. That's the whole point. But if I receive freedom, guess what happens? It says freely I have received, freely I can give. But if we are all bound and we are all shackled, none of us have the keys to set others free yet. But if I receive freedom in my own life, guess what? I can give freedom to you. Not by my own strength, but by what God has given me and released in my life to that same measure, I can release it to you. So I'd rather be a church full of free people rather than a church full of bound people, shackled people. Now, we've been talking as a worship team about expressive worship and and taking our church on a journey of where we are a house of worshipers. As long as you are bound, you will never be free to dance in this house. Amen. But if you've come to the place of where those shackles have been removed and the prison gates have been flung open, whatever foolishness it looks like, I'm going to shout, I'm going to praise, and I'm going to dance. Now, we're, we're, we're careful because I'm a worshiper too. You know, I don't ever want to judge somebody by the external perspective, but I do believe that the internal work will cause itself to be made known visually. If your favorite football team scores a touchdown and I'm talking about the rowdy fans in here, I'm not talking about the ones that are like, oh, good touchdown. I'm talking about the ones that fly off the couch, flip the chili bowl over and they have a great party. I'm talking about those kind of celebrators. If we can celebrate like that, when our team scores, why would we not celebrate like that when God has set us free of something? Why would we not do that? You're like, well, pastor, it's different. Oh, it really is. No, the difference is you don't have a wisdom and revelation of the work that God has done in your heart and what he's really set you free from. And you're too reserved and conserved. You want to get back in that box of being bound. You want to know how to keep the chains off? Once the chains have been removed, keep moving around. Fail your hands. If you're dancing and you're moving, the devil can't shackle you again. You got too much movement in your life. You're so used to being bound that you don't know what to do when the chains have been removed. Because you think by the lies of the enemy that says you're not free. But I'll tell you what, once you've been set free, if you allow praise to be expressed through your life, you will continue to move in that freedom and you will remind the enemy that you've been set free. We've got to expect freedom. Second Corinthians 317 says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I'll tell you what, the spirit of God is moving through the life of this church. He's giving you the key. Somebody like, no, 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 I'm okay. It's okay. He'll find somebody else to give that key to. And when they find it and they release those chains, freedom will happen in this place. You gotta start saying, I am no longer this, but I am free. You need to begin to declare that with your mouth. Proclaim freedom if you don't, even if you don't fully see it yet. So we expect change, we expect freedom. We should also expect it to take some time. You know, I love those moments of where God just will radically shake our life and immediately produce change in our life. But there are times in our life it just takes time. And what do we do in that moment? We just wait and we don't get in a hurry. That's something we've been trying to practice as a church. When God is doing something in the room, we don't want to just say, okay, well, what's next? Okay, the agenda is this. Okay, oh, we got communion today, so let's go to that. Or Pastor Noe has this awesome message I've been waiting to preach. Like, that's not the goal. That is not the motive. When God is doing something, we must pause because that's the time sometimes it takes to receive the breakthrough. I know it's hard, I, I know it's challenging. How many of you have ever fought with that disengagement? it's like, man, this service is going and you're like, what's for lunch? You go around and look at this nice big red clock and you're like, man, it's 1215, what are we doing? But you're, you're disengaged of what God is doing. You know, I wake my kids up in the morning and say, hey, get up, it's Sunday. It is the most exciting day of the week. Not just because your daddy's preaching but because what the Lord has done and we all get to come together and celebrate that. Amen. That's what we get to do every, it's a privilege. Amen. It's a blessing. Amen. We get to, Blessings. you know, you don't have to, right? You get to. Amen. Man, y'all gotta get excited, man. <laughs> wish I, I, wish I would have saved worship to the end. We would have seen if you're really getting it. In Isaiah 40:31, it says, But when they who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is what happens when we wait on the Lord. He begins to work. He begins to energize. He begins to renew, causes us to run and not get tired, walk and not faint. So expect it to take some time. Daily allow time in his presence. I hope that every single day of your life, you are carving out time for, to, be, to just sit in the presence of God. And I'll tell you what, there's mornings. I get up, I get dressed, I get my coffee, I sit in the recliner, I back it up, I start to pray, and I check out for 15 minutes. And then I wake up and say, oh, Lord, your presence is so refreshing. And I wake up... <laughs> And it's like my strength is renewed sometimes. But I'm I'm carving out times. And you know, I don't even think God cares if you sleep through that moment in his presence. He just wants you being in his presence. You say, Well, Pastor Noah, I can't focus. It don't matter. Just be in his presence. I don't even know what to pray. Don't say anything. Allow him to do whatever he wants. But make room for his presence in your life. Take some time every single day. You say, Pastor Noah, you don't know my schedule. Hey, you don't know my schedule. I can't schedule my schedule. Stuff just comes up. It's like, I asked Becky, because we, we, we've had a super long week. I said, what's the schedule look like? Man, I got something Monday. I got something Tuesday. I was going to try to scroll out Wednesday and not work half a day. I got something Wednesday. I got something Thursday. I guess I'm off Friday. But I've been rolling since last Sunday. So it's like one of those time and a half overtime weeks of where it's just, man, I, Lord, I don't know. But I'll tell you what, every single day, Pastor Noah is going to take a moment to be in the presence of God. Well, you get paid to do that. No, I don't get paid to do that. I got the privilege to do that. And you do also. Never allow us to be so busy that we don't take those moments to dwell in his presence. Because if we show up in his presence and we expect something in his presence will be forever changed. So what do we do? Number one, we position ourselves. We draw near to God. Secondly, we understand forgiveness and purification that he will faithfully do what he's called to do. Then there has to be a response. We have to move. We have to do something. We have to humble ourselves and then we should expect a change in our life. So we have to allow the Holy Spirit through his purification process to help us remove anything that contaminates the body and the spirit. So God desires us to live lives of perfect, perfected holiness. Did you get that scripture early on? It said perfected holiness. It's a process of being perfected unto holiness. But that should be revealed in our lives. So the Holy Spirit through his sanctifying work and our, our, our obedience produces purity in our lives. Let me read this passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-8. through 8. It's a straight scripture, okay? In verse 3 it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, or that in a matter no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such wrongs and take it, uh, such sins as we are told, told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life, Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives us the Holy Spirit. That's a strong scripture. So let's think back about this water purification process just for a moment. We have to realize that the Holy Spirit does the sanctifying, the purifying work. And it is him alone that makes us pure and clean. Do you realize that the water is the passive part of the process? What does the water do? It's kind of just along for the ride, right? Guess what you are. You're the passive element that is just along for the ride. The spirit of God wants to work in it. All you got to do is yield to it. So all you have to do is is submit to the purification process. And once you are clean, don't allow yourself to be recontaminated. You have to receive God's forgiveness. But allow God's also purification process in your life to be made complete. Today, he really, really wants to purify you. Man, I've been thinking about this illustration. To do it or not to do it. Zach, if the church catches on fire, come on. It shouldn't, in theory, right? So we realize that in our life, there's often sin. There's things that, 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 that plague us, that haunt us, that you said, man, Pastor Noe, if people knew the things in my heart, they would hate me. They would reject me. But but there's evil things. There's ugly things in us. Maybe there's lust. Maybe there's addiction. You know, all of these things in our life that, that that cause us to not be holy, to not be righteous. And then we allow the blood of Jesus to cover them, and it covers those sins, covers them by the blood of Jesus. But how many of you know? Sometimes they're still just there. We're forgiven. And what happens in our life, it is really the equivalent of those things being in our life. And I believe even to a measure that the blood of Christ kind of, he deals with them. But let me tell you what purification does. Whatever your issue is, pretend it's on this paper. Pause just for a moment. You said, Well, well, I'm supposed to get involved here? Absolutely. What is it in your life that you are asking and pleading with the blood of Jesus to cover? But then, secondly, Jesus said, I didn't only come to forgive sin and to cover sin, I came to purify sin. And let me tell you what happens when the purification comes. You know, in the book of Acts, it says that that wind filled the temple and it was like there was fire over each of them which began to burn and it began to purify now how many of you know that if I were to add wind to this it causes it to burn faster but what purification does it begins to remove I'm glad we ain't got no fire sprinklers in here boy be a bad day right but that purification, we just allow it to continue to work. Wait a minute. I thought it said sin. I thought it said lust. I thought it said addiction. Well, what happens when that process keeps happening, it begins to burn up everything that we used to be, and it removes it, and we are no longer it. Now, I could get you to come back and give it just a little bit more, and I'm, I can let somebody try to rebuild and refashion. Almost there. One over melt my pulpit either. It'd be a bad day. So we have to realize that when purification happens, there's nothing left except ashes. And you know what God does with ashes? He takes them far away from your camp of your life. And he pours them over there so that they never plague you again. He removes them from your life. You guys stand up with me. God wants to do a work of purification in our lives. He is pleading with you today, but all he says is just allow the Holy Spirit into your life and allow him to do the work that I sent him to do in your life. Submit yourself to the purification process. Say, Lord, I got a lot of junk in my life. How many of you are there? Say, Lord, I got a lot, I'm pretty messed up. You sure you can use it? Oh yeah, cause I'm gonna screen you. I'm going to purify, I'm going to take you through a process that you're going to come out pure in every of your life. If that's to you this morning, you just need to touch from the Lord, lift your hands to heaven. Say, Lord, you know the things in my life that need to change. So repeat after me, say, Lord, here I am. Purify me. You are faithful to purify me to all unrighteousness. confess that I am a sinner. So here's my heart. Forgive me, purify me, cleanse me from the inside out. Do the, do the work that only you can do in Jesus name. Lord, I thank you for each one here this morning. God, I pray that you would do a deep work an internal work that forever changes us. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would not stop until we're made pure. Holy Spirit, don't stop. But keep doing what only you can do. I want us just to wait a moment. Just wait there. Allow the Holy Spirit to just begin to do that work in your life as he begins to burn up those things. And remove those things from your life, Lord. I thank you, God, that you never stop working on us. I give you one challenge before you get out of here. This week, anything that the Holy Spirit reveals in your life that needs to go, get rid of it. Pastor Noe, but you don't know. No, I don't understand. The Holy Spirit understands. And if he says it needs to go, it needs to go. Don't justify it. Don't compromise it. But this week, walk in radical obedience to allow his purification process to happen in your life. Can you please commit to do that? Can you lift your hand and say, I'm willing to do that, Pastor No, anything that he says. Now, if I see your TV out by the road, just warn me before you throw it away, I'll come pick it up. <laughs> I, I don't care what it, don't, don't care about the value of what it is that you need to remove from your, from your house, from your life. Well, it was costly. Yeah, but it's going to cost you hell if you don't get it right. Remove those things from your life because it will destroy your life. But let me tell you what, as that purification process happens, you know what? The things that used to slip you up may not slip you up no more because we're freed from that. But while we're walking through that battle of being free from certain things, it's important to remove those. Nobody digs potholes all in their yard on purpose. You realize that? To just fall into, to trip in? What this is doing, it's removing those things that will trip you up as you walk out this purification process and you allow God to change your heart. Amen. If we can pray for anything for you this morning, you want special prayer, we got teams, we got people available that would love to pray for you. I believe that this week God is going to do an amazing work in your life. I don't know how many of you are joining life groups or not joining life groups, but I would encourage you life groups we are continuing this conversation taking it a little bit deeper, making it a little bit more personal. Life groups are the key to help you grow. Life groups are the key that hold you accountable to certain things in your life. Well, Pastor Noe said, I need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Well, guess what? That life group can hold you accountable to that. If you're not a part of a life group, I would love for you to be part of a life group this week. Make a commitment to do it. It's going to be worth it. We love you guys. Be blessed. Hey, Next week, we're going to look at that his presence actually reveals purpose. So join us next week for another awesome time. You'll be blessed. We'll see you next week. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.